$5 bill. Penny, is it on the $5 bill? Okay, good, good. Oprah. <laughs> you don't even need free cars. You get a car, you get a car. Steve Jobs. Okay, Bar Barack Obama. <laughs> Uh-oh. Got political real quick. Mother Teresa. Okay, what? Ankles? Wrinkles. Wow. Taylor Swift. Annoying red lipstick guitar. Jenny Craig. 1-800. Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. No. All right, so, so all I had to do was say some words that happen to be names, right? An arrangement of letters, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. There's images coming to your mind. There's whole careers coming to your mind. Uh, uprising, pitfalls, something they said that made the headlines, something they did that was better for the world or worse for the world. All that came to mind right when I just said their name. And when you think about it, Names are important in our culture. In fact, if you take someone's name and you misrepresent it or you, you misuse their name, we have a whole set of laws in our culture that punishes people for that because it's not right. It's wrong, right? We have defamation and libel and we can sue you and take you to court because you said I did that and I didn't do that. It's wrong to misrepresent and misuse someone's name and even ourselves. We don't I mean, have you ever been lied on? Yeah. You ever known someone who went around and said some things, said you did some things that you didn't do? Are you, do you enjoy that? Is that? It's not good, is it, right? It's misrepresenting your name. And how much more the God of the universe. When we think about the name of God who has created us, made us in his image, that name that he has revealed and given to us to represent him, how much more should we aim to not misuse or misrepresent or contort or twist his name? As a kid, I thought that when we, when we came to this third commandment, I, as a kid, I'm going to say as a kid, but even, even now, a lot of times, I don't think about the third commandment because it usually gets relevated, uh, relegated to that category of like, don't say don't curse with God's name in it, right? Don't say this, don't say that, don't text OMG, right? It's going to be, oh my gosh, right? Don't say, the, don't rhyme with Jesus when you're, gee, you know, right? That was what it was, but it's so much more than that. When we see it as, as we've seen um, in this series, we, we're seeing that God didn't just give us these commands because he wants to, just, just control us or take away our fun. He's not like he said, okay, so I've determined what's the most fun things to do, and I'm going to tell them they can't do that. No, but he's, he's a good father who, who loves, he, in, this, in this text, he loves the people of Israel. He loves the people of God today, and the commands that he gives us are for our life and because it's for our help, not our harm, for our life, not our death, right? So uh, let's... Before I get too far, let's actually read the command. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20, um, 
And uh, since it's pretty short, we're just going to read the, the first few commands so you'll get the, the quick one, two, three. Um, chapter 20, verse 1, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You see, before he even gives any commands, he reminds them of the relationship that he has with these people. I've brought you out of slavery. I've provided for you in the wilderness. Where there was no food, I gave you food. When there was no water, I gave you water. I'm the Lord, your God. I love you. Right? It's grounded in that loving relationship. First command, you shall have no other gods before me. Second command, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And here we go. Here's the third commandment that we're focusing on today. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. God has given us this commandment for our good, and it's so that we might experience life. But if you're like me, so often when I think of the third commandment, I don't, I don't know how it relates to me too much except not to say a certain set of words. But it's so much more than that. And I hope that today I'm, I'm going to kind of walk us just through four kind of levels of, of questions to help, us, to help us see what God may be telling us today about the misuse of his name. Because it is something that happens, and it is something that our human hearts are prone to do. And we're also prone to say, ah, it's not a big deal. But God says, you may think you don't have guilt, but I'm holding you guilty, right, when we misuse his name. Um, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we'll just kind of go through those, those phases with this commandment, and hopefully the Lord will speak to your heart today. God, we thank you so much just for this time. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you uh, just for the grace that has changed our lives and, and brought us here together, God. We, we, we are here for you, Lord. We're not here for ourselves. We're not here to go through the motions. We're here because you've already changed our lives or maybe we're interested in how you can change our lives, but we're here for you, God. I pray that you would speak to us. Help us to hear and know what it means to use your name properly. Um, bring us to repentance and, and bring us to encouragement and change and truth in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first kind of area is what does this commandment reveal to us about God? When we read this commandment, you should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Um, for, for the Lord your God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. What does that show us about God? 
other than he is the most glorious name. God has the most glorious name and should be honored. His name should not be used flippantly. His name should not be used lightly. His name should not be used for our own purposes because God wouldn't give us a command not to misuse his name unless he actually had the most glorious name and worshiping his name was good for us. I want to read a few passages. Uh, Psalm chapter 8. It's going to be up on the screen. And I'm slowly, awkwardly turning there. I should have had this already marked in my giant Bible. Sorry. All right. Psalm chapter 8. That's kind of the intro for the director of music. According to Giddeth, a psalm of David. Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Jesus saying, even all the things that that man is in control of, you made them. And you're the one who put him in control. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. When I consider the things that you have made, God, the works of your hands, how glorious is that that you would even care about me? That you would, and not just care about me, but care to know my name and and love me. We see God's glory. Jesus teaches us to revere God, even in the way that he teaches us to pray. Everyone heard of the Lord's Prayer? Okay, yeah, all right. It's kind of popular. Right? But Matthew 6, 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, he teaches us to see God as a Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, revered, honored, worshipped, set apart is the name of God. And that's how we're taught to address God. And so holy and glorious is his name that, that Hebrews chapter 6 talks about how God Uh, dealt with Abraham and when he promised and made an oath with Abraham. You know, most people, when they make an oath, they have to swear by something that's bigger or greater than them, right? So I swear by the temple or I swear by Jerusalem or I swear by the heavens above that I'll do this, right? But when it comes to God, what does he swear by? He swears by his own name because there is nothing greater than God, than the name of God. Let's read the verse. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it 
with an oath. So God's name is so glorious that when he made a promise to us, there was nothing he could swear by other than his own name, which represents his attributes, his character, his redemptive nature, and everything that he's done. When we see this command, we're reminded of the glory of God, and honestly, we're reminded of there's a chasm between us and God. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I come to worship God, I just rush into his presence with my to-do lists, and I rush into his presence with my anxiety or, or whatever it is, and I don't even, I just start telling God what I need without remembering his holy and awesome name. That it's even only by the grace of God that I can approach him. The most glorious name deserves all the glory. In fact, God's glory is for our good. You know why that is? Because we were made to worship him and enjoy him. You know, some might hear this and be like, well, that it sounds kind of weird that God is so concerned about us worshiping him. Isn't that kind of self-centered and selfish of God to say, hey, worship me? And you would be right if he wasn't the most glorious one. Now, it would be wrong if I came up here and stood in this room and said, hey, everybody, worship me and exalt my name. I'm the most glorious one in this room, and I'm the most glorious one on the planet, right? Hopefully, you guys would, like, get up and walk out and, not, and be a little gracious with me and not, like, throw stuff, right? Just like, oh, he's crazy. Let's call him in, right? But God, when God says that, he actually is the most glorious one. And we were actually built and created to worship him. And so when we enjoy the most life is when we are enjoying God the most. When we're going to experience the fullest life is when we're in alignment with how we were made, which is to worship and adore him. If he didn't tell us to worship him, it would be evil and bad. Because he is the most glorious one. He is the only one who's worthy to be worshiped. So what does this commandment reveal to us about God? It reveals the glory of his name. Secondly, how does this commandment confront human nature? It's basically we see, it's not just saying, hey, my name's glorious. It's saying, hey, don't do something that you do, <laughs> right? There's a confrontation here, right? So how is it confronting human nature? The fact that there is this commandment is implying that people are prone to misuse the name of God. How do we misuse God's name? You know, the, the other ways of translating that phrase is to take God's name in vain, right? And, va and vanity is basically emptiness, right? Or for your own purposes, right? So misusing God's name is using it uh, in vain, using it for empty purposes, for your own purposes, in a hypocritical way, or in blasphemy, right? In the way that's using his name in curses, right? So it's saying his, this great glorious name, I'm actually going to put under me, and I'm going to use it to curse with, right? How do people misuse God's name? And so to answer that question, I just want to spend a couple minutes on, on back then when this was written, 
like how, how, how the name of God was commonly misused, and then kind of get into how um, it happens in our lives and in our culture today. So back then, um, a popular way of taking God's name in vain was through breaking an oath. Um, kind of like we mentioned earlier, people would take an oath, and basically an oath in that time is a conditional self-curse invoking deities that are asked to inflict punishment to the oath breaker, right? So this wasn't just in Israel, but this was in the whole culture, the ancient Near East, everywhere surrounding. Let's say you had some kind of civil agreement that you needed to make and you wanted to legitimize your claim. Like, hey, I'm gonna, maybe it's a business deal and you're saying, I'm gonna be a, a man of my word, give me my money, I'll provide this service, right, sort of thing. Or there's a dispute between you and someone else. And so someone would Make an oath, which means it's a conditional self-curse. So if I don't hold my end of the deal, may this certain God curse me and give me punishment, right? So that was a common way, a common way of doing business, right? So what would it be to take God's name in vain, right? So it would be to use the name of God in an oath. So as, as Yahweh lives, certainly I will do this, Right? And you can read about it in the book of Samuel, you can read about it in Jeremiah, you can read about it in Numbers. It's a common thing to use God's name in an oath. And God's saying, if you use my name in an oath and then break your oath, you have used my name in a vain way. It's an empty way because it's for your purposes and you've dragged my name in the dirt. You see what's going on there? I'm going to use the name of God to legitimize our agreement and then I'm going to break our agreement and not care. See what's going on there? Right? So he's saying, don't do that. You're taking my name. You're using my glory for your purposes. And then you're taking my name and dragging it in the dirt. He's saying, don't take an oath in my name and break it. It shows a... If someone did use the name of God and then broke their oath, it shows a lack of reverence for God. It shows a lack of belief that he's a just God and that he'll bring judgment. And it, it basically, in their time, was is kind of just denying God's existence. It's like, yeah, I'll use God, yeah. You know, and, and in some ways, you know, people do that now. If you think they're lying, they're like, well, swear to, you know. Hey, God's my witness, I, Right? That legitimizes, right? We, we use that. So there's a similar sort of thing going on there. Another way is profaning his name. In Leviticus 18.21, it even talks about, there's a command where God is saying, don't sacrifice your child to Molech. So some other God, where in, the, in a time where they were doing child sacrifice, and then come in and act like you're worshiping me. You're profaning my name. Profaning my name? What does he mean by that? He means you're, you're saying that you worship me, but you're going out and living a complete opposite way. And then you're coming back in to worship me, but you're over there sacrificing your child to another God? Do not misuse the name of God. You may think, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal to God. So that's them back then. What about us now? So we look at that. How do we misuse 
uh, the name of God? How do, we, how do we use it for vain purposes or for, for our own purposes, for our own glory to make us look good? A few short examples. One way is if we use God's name to make something seem more official, right? So um, I'm not necessarily against, you know, a, a politician gets sworn in and they put their hand on what? In their Bible, and they get sworn in, and they basically say, "I'm going to do my duties," and it's and it's a it's a picture of I'm going to be held accountable for doing my duties, right? But let's say that certain politician just broke like 27 of their campaign promises and went back. Yeah, <laughs> I know you're all shocked, right? But what if you walked up to him a year later on the street and you're like, "Dude, you broke, you lied on all this stuff, and and you swore on the Bible." I think most would be like. Yeah, and your, and your point, <laughs> right? It was like, well, that's just the thing, dude. You have to do that when you get in, right? And that's a picture of just slapping some God on something to make it seem more official when there's not sincerity there. I think another way is, is so often when you take a marriage vow, that's a marriage vow between, primarily between you and God, and it's in the presence of other people. And, and maybe, you know, sometimes there's, there's people that, that go into a marriage vow situation and don't, they take it lightly. Oh, well, we just need to get a pastor to do that part. And we got to say the I do's and, you know, till death do you part, better or worse, sickness or health, right? But don't take the seriousness of, I, I vowed to God to do this. It's another way in which we use God to, to make something seem more official. Another way, um, we take God's name on, but we don't truly follow him. And this would be, hey, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm part of this church, right? But then some, at some point in the line, they fall into a sin. You know, maybe it's gossip or lying about someone in the church, and they get confronted by a few brothers and sisters, and, and they say, oh, no, no, I didn't do that, Right? Or, yeah, I did that, but it doesn't matter. I'm still going to be, I, you know, I love Jesus. I'm part of this church, right? It's saying I love Jesus. It's saying I'm his, but not living in his ways. Not willing to repent when I need to be corrected. Taking on his name as a Christian, but not living as a Christian throughout the week. It's a way that we take the name of God in vain. Another way. We use God's name to make us look better. I call this like churching it up, right? <laughs> right? So maybe it's just overtly religious talk all the time when it's not even convenient or, you know, and, and maybe it's praise the Lord all the time. Now, it may be one thing if you literally are praising the Lord every time you say it, but sometimes it turns into, hey, you know, how you doing? Well, I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. You know, lost my job the other day, praise the Lord. You know, got hit by a car, praise the Lord, it wasn't a truck. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, brother. Right? It's using spirituality, using the things of God to make us look better, gain spiritual points. I don't know, I don't know, I can't explain it. I know I've been guilty of all of these at one point, but I'm just, I'm so, if you do that, like, there's grace, all right? You know? not just throwing you under the bus here, but what about another version of that would be, yeah, man, someone tells you, shares their heart or their issue with it. Yeah, man, I'm praying for you, brother. 
right? But with no intention or actual follow-up to pray for your brother, right? Or to call someone a brother and sister, but not treat him like a brother or a sister, right? That's taking the name of God in vain because we're saying, God, you're our father. You've called us brother and sister. I'm not going to treat them like a brother or sister, right? That's taking God's name to make us look better, but not actually living like it. A few other ones is just rash swearing. Oh, yeah, I swear to God, right? As God's my witness. False swearing, so lying and using the name of God, and blasphemy, using God's name in curses. So that's a little bit of how this command confronts us, where it hits our everyday life. And I think when we, when we look at that, when we think about just the amazing glory of God's name, that you made the heavens and the earth, and that you're worthy of all worship, and I'm not. And then I look at the ways that we tend to misuse God's name, and I have to ask, why? Why are we prone to misuse God's name? When I think about that, the, the phrase that comes to mind is misplaced glory. Misplaced glory. Think about it in, in the case of the person who's using an oath for like a business deal, right? So in that case, I'm going to get this business deal and you need to give me my money, right? So I'm going to make an oath to God and then I'm going to break it later, not hold up my end of the deal. Where is the glory in that scenario? It's on the money. The money has the glory. Because I'm willing to do whatever, I'm willing to break my word, I'm willing to take God's name in the dirt for this money. So in that sense, God doesn't have the glory. He doesn't have the most glorious name. I'm putting my glory on this money. In the same way, what about the example of someone who says, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, but when they're confronted by brothers and sisters who are, who are trying to get them to walk in righteousness and who love them and they refuse to repent and say, no, no, I, I don't care, but I'm still a Christian, I'm still following Jesus. What has the glory there? It's that sin that they're unwilling to let go of. It's that sin that has their hearts so strongly that they'll deny God's word, they'll deny the spirit of God, and they'll deny the people of God, calling them out in love. It's misplaced glory. It can even happen with a good thing, right? What if you have a good thing like a job or a career and you really want to put your heart and your all into it, but it becomes such an ultimate thing that you're willing to do anything, say anything, pull anyone else down, even if they know you're a Christian, right? Neglect your other responsibilities and things going on in life. What has the glory in that situation? The job, the career, not God. And all the while, God's name is being misrepresented and pulled in the dirt and not given the glory that it deserves. This commandment is for our good, is for our life, because when we don't give God the glory that he deserves, when we misplace that glory in our hearts, we get harmed. We get harmed, and other people get harmed. Because what happens is if we're given the glory to money or a career or the sin that we don't want to let go of, you take that out, and that will crush you. It's not going to give you what you want. It may fool you for a few years or a few decades, but in the end of it, it will not, it will turn out not worthy of the worship that you're giving it in your heart. 
So when God says, don't misuse my name, show my name the glory and honor it deserves, it's for your good. Because when we misuse his name, we end up getting hurt. And you know what? It's not just us, it's others. The name of God gets misrepresented to other people. Because other people at work and other people in your life know you're a Christian and they look at how we're acting and say, oh, that's how a Christian lives. Okay, yeah, Mm, no, I'm good. Right? When we take the name of God in vain and misuse God's name, we end up hurting ourselves, we end up hurting others and keeping them from knowing the truth about God. There's a quote um, that I have up here from Brendan Manning. I've heard it since, since over 20 years ago when I was a little bitty DC Talk fan. I don't know if anyone's decent, decent Christian talk, big old Christian rock group in the 90s. Um, this quote, they threw a, Brent, a Brennan Manning quote in the beginning of the, one of their songs. It says, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. God has given this commandment for our good, and when we go against it, it harms us and it harms others. Third kind of area I want to focus on this commandment. What does this commandment instruct us to do? It's about how we should use God's name. So we've talked about how we sometimes misuse God's name and how we're guilty of that. Well, what should we do? What is this commandment telling? How, how should we use God's name? And you know, different uh, people throughout the ages have wrestled with this question um, and what it means in practicality to do that. There's uh, one group from uh, uh, within Judaism, Second Temple Judaism, like before Jesus um, was born. And the way they interpreted it is that they didn't want to misuse God's name, and so they didn't even use God's name. They didn't write out Yahweh, and instead of writing Yahweh, they started writing Adonai, which means my Lord's. But their interpretation was, we can't even use it. And there's actually still groups today that won't write out God. If they write out God, they'll write out G-D. And that stands for God. And their idea is, we don't want to misuse God's name. And I think that's a step in the right, in the right direction in some way because it's, it's bringing a holiness and a reverence and a respect for the name of God. But I think it falls short because this commandment is not about not using the name of God. It's about not abusing the name of God. It's about how you do use it. It's about more than words. Cue the 90s song, right? Is it air, air supply? More than words. Extreme. Okay, extreme. Right. Like I said earlier, as, as a kid and, even, and even, even when studying for this sermon this week, right? So I'm not going to come here and say, hey, let me tell you all about how to use God's name. I've been knowing this forever right? Because that would be hypocritical. That would be me using God's name in vain, right? It would be using God's name to make me look good. So I'm going to tell you, even when I came to study this week, I think God used this to wake it up in my heart of like, what does it mean to honor God's name as we use it? Besides just swear words, what does it mean? It's about our hearts and our minds and our lives giving God the honor that he is due. It's about placing the glory on God, not on our idol, not on the sin that we don't want to stop, 
not on whatever vain reason that we want to get done. It's about placing the glory on God. It's about, that looks like a few different ways, and I'll just kind of run through them. It looks like sincerity in our vows. It looks like when we, you know, like I said, I'm not against swearing in and holding your hand in the Bible. If you do that, mean it though, right? If you do take a vow before God, don't break it. You know, the New Testament says we're not, we shouldn't really take vows. We should just let our yes be yes and our no be no. And that honors God. Be sincere in our walk, not hypocritical. Integrity in our worship. It means we come in here and we sing to him. And when we go out into the rest of our week, we still worship him. We still worship him in our hearts. We still worship him in our lives. We realize that we are representing him to other people who don't yet know Jesus, who don't yet know God. If we're sinning and we're confronted, we're willing to hear it and repent. It means really worshiping with our lives. It means using his name not for our good, but to give him glory. Not for ourselves, not for vain purposes, but it's really for his glory. And if, if we are truly living for his name and for his glory, we'll use his name even when it doesn't give us the positive points, but actually looks bad for us. Oh, you believe in Jesus? Yeah, it's, that's crazy stuff, right? And yet it's not about us and it's not about our reputation. It's about his glory and his name. Making much of the name of Jesus. Not not using his name to make me look good, but abandoning my name to make him look good. Because after all, the people around you, they're not going to get saved by seeing how great we are. They're going to get saved by seeing how great Jesus is. His name is the only one that's worth making much of. Amen? Amen. And just as when we disobey this commandment, we bring harm on ourselves eventually, and bring harm to other people. When we obey this commandment, there's a promise involved. There's help that it brings. There's life that it brings. When we honor God's name, the vain reasons, the vanity, the emptiness, those other things lose power in our lives because we're aligned with how we were created to be. The opinions of others that mean so much to us don't cripple us and weigh us down. The sin that we're holding on to that crushes us and causes a wake of destruction in other people's lives loses its power over our life. And we know what it's like to be free because we're honoring God's name. We begin to feel that life and freedom. So I want to kind of move to the last phase and toward, a, toward an ending here, but as I talk about what we should do to honor God, I know that, I hope that it sounds beautiful and life-giving to you as we replace those things we have glorified and put God as the most glorious in our life. But I also know that there's got to be this tinge of like, I haven't always done that. I haven't always done that perfectly. How might I have misused God's name or used his name flippantly? And here's the thing, all of us, have been hypocritical at some time or another. All of us have been insincere. All of us have been bad representatives of Jesus to the people around us. 
bless you. Was that overtly religious? I don't know. <laughs> right? But our hope is not in the one who always... Wait, let me... I got lost on my notes there. Our hope is in Jesus. Oh, man, we got to just end church now. I was about to say our hope wasn't in Jesus. Right? Our hope's not in us. Our hope's not in our track record of always honoring God's name because we've all fallen short in that. But our hope is in the one who always honored God's name. Jesus always did what was right. Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father do. He only said what the Father told him to say. That he showed us what God was like. He taught us that God is our heavenly Father. He always honored the name of God and never misused it his entire life. And how did they react to him? How did, how did they confront him? The man who was God. They were, the religious elite were upset that he claimed to be God and he went to the cross. He ultimately died. But he took his righteousness to the cross and he died for every time that we've misused his name. For every time that we misuse the name of God, Jesus allowed his name to be dragged in the dirt and his body to be taken into the ground to pay for that sin. For every time that we've been guilty, he was guiltless and still took it on to show us what God was like. And then when he died, it was not over there. He rose again to walk in new life, to give us new life, and then sent the Spirit of God to live inside us to glorify God from within. How do we have hope? How do we have hope if, if I can stand here and confess like, hey, I, I've misused the name of God, right? And I don't know that I can do it on my own. Well, thank God the gospel is I don't have to do it on my own. Yeah. And if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you can today. If you're here today and something's just, a, a, a switch is flipping in your mind and it's like, I want that. You can come to Jesus today and say, God, I turn from my sin. I turn from misusing your name. I repent. I turn away from that. And I believe that you died for me and rose again to give me life. And God's spirit will fill you too. And you can have this hope that I'm talking about because when God's spirit lives inside of you, guess what? God's spirit has never misused God's name. He's never dishonored God. He's never been insincere in his commitment. The Spirit of the Holy Spirit of God has never been a hypocrite. And the gospel is that when we believe, Jesus fills us. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit convicts us and makes us want to repent. And if we're insincere, it makes us want to be sincere. If we're a hypocrite, it makes us repent and want to be for real. The Spirit frees us from vain interests that leave us empty. The Spirit frees us from making much of our name and using God's name to get that done. The Spirit frees us from misrepresenting God to others. Because even when we fall, we can just point him to how great Jesus is. We don't have to be so concerned with how great they think we are. The Spirit frees us from being hypocrites. That's the hope we have for moving forward in the gospel. 
that Jesus took on our misuse of his name and gave us a new name. Gave us his name, made us brothers and sisters with one father and filled us with his spirit. I'm going to end with that. Let's say a word of prayer. We're going to have a time of uh, communion, uh, just a time of responding in worship. And so we'll have a time of communion. And um, uh, if, you're, if you're new, if you're a believer, we encourage you to come and just come in groups of two or three. There'll be some questions up here you can work through and just kind of talk through how um, the, the verses and the, and the message today may be working through your heart. Um, and we're going to have make room for that and sharing with each other. We're also going to have uh, some singing at the end. I know the worship team is going to come up. Um, and also just a time to respond uh, to God through worshiping, through giving. If you feel moved to do that, um, everything you need is right up there. I'm going to say a word of prayer real quick. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your commandments that, that bring us life, Lord. Lord, our life is from you. Our breath is from you. God, everything that we've seen, everything that we've touched comes from you and your creative power. Your name is holy and awesome. God, and even though we have sinned time and time and time and time and time again against you, even though we are steeped in sin, even though our names are not worthy, Lord, you came and made your name nothing. You made yourself nothing. You became a servant for us and became obedient even to death on a cross so that we would be free, so that we could have a new name, so that we could be full of the Holy Spirit and continually change and be shaped more and more into your likeness. God, I pray for that, that that would happen today. I pray that we would be spurred forward on that. Pray for the next few moments. Um, that they would not be times of vanity, that we would not just fill it with the words we're supposed to say and go through the motions we're supposed to do, God. But that we would come with sincere hearts and that we would look inside and, and be able to say before you and before others, these are the ways that I, I need help in, in obeying this command. And these are the ways in, in which I need help to believe that this command is good for me and that it's life. God, I thank you so much for this time. Speak to us. Bring us closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys are welcome to come up for communion.